The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. From Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. Now, here's your host, Rev. Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to thank you for listening with us today. I'm very glad that you're joining us, and I know we've got listeners all across the United States and around the world, and it's a delight uh, to have you tuning in to the Spirit of Recovery. And also, thank you for sending us emails. Thank you for posting on our Facebook page. Thank you for liking Spirit of Recovery on Facebook, and you can do that. Just go to the Spirit of Recovery page on Facebook and like us. And uh, see what might be new on there. And uh, we also thank you for letting your friends and the people in your recovery community, your unity community, and all the spiritual communities that you're part of and your families and friends know about the spirit of recovery. And I am delighted to have the opportunity to broadcast on the topic of recovery and spirituality here on Unity Online Radio. And I'm glad to know that what we're doing here is making a difference in your life and that you are appreciating uh, the open atmosphere, the guests that I bring here, uh, that higher power draws here, I'll tell you that. That's really how it works. And uh, the topics that we talk about because I know that they are touching your heart and they're making an important difference for you in your recovery. We always do bring topics and guests that get you thinking, that open up your uh, ideas and possibilities to you for deeper ways, for inspiration on your recovery path and on your spiritual growth path, wherever you may be. We know that uh, you're aware that you can listen to the Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can listen with us online here uh, through your computer uh, live to the program. We air on Tuesdays, of course, at 4 p.m. Central. And you can also listen uh, anytime, 24-7, to the archives. You can go on Unity Online Radio backslash program backslash Spirit of Recovery, and you can access our archives all the time. And you can certainly also listen through your smartphone. I want you to know that the Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place, that recovery is a large tent. And so if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction, or if you're the family member or friend of someone that has the disease of addiction, if you're in your own recovery as a family member or friend or not, um, or if you're just curious about the process of recovery, um, we're welcoming you here on the Spirit of Recovery. We're glad you're listening, and you're welcome to give a comment or ask a question through email or through the phone line. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a unity minister and an addictions counselor. I'm also a person that has in my circle of love and friendship many people that have the disease of addiction. And uh, this month, uh, 32 years ago, those relationships got me started on a path of my own personal spiritual growth in a very conscious way and got me involved with the 12 steps um, from the perspective of a friend and family member. And so my spiritual growth continues to be an integration of the unity principles and the recovery principles, and that keeps informing my life and keeps transforming my life and keeps me growing. 
Again, I'm very grateful, delighted to have the opportunity to share with you about recovery, about spirituality, and also to hear what's happening for you in your spirituality and in your recovery walk. Today I have a great guest and a very interesting topic. Our topic today is Recovery, a Hero's Journey. And, uh, you know, a hero is a remarkably brave person, a person who has shown great courage or strength of character. And so today we're going to be looking at the idea of how is it that recovery can rouse people who are defeated and helpless, perhaps uh, because they themselves have directly the disease of addiction or perhaps the because they're the family members or friends of people that have that disease and have been trying futilely to control it. How does... Uh, recovery transform defeated people into heroes? How does it help people find their courage and go forward? Well, today my guest, Reverend Jack Abel, is going to be sharing that with us. Uh, Reverend Jack has a Master's of Divinity, and he also has an MBA, a Master's of Business Administration, and he is the Director of Spiritual Care at the Karen Foundation, and that's C-A-R-O-N. And the Karen Foundation um, is a treatment center that has uh, been renowned for many, many years in providing excellent treatment for addiction, uh, for the primary substance addictions for family members, and also those sort of second, uh, deeper layers of recovery for uh, adult children issues and codependency. And so Jack is going to be sharing with us today a topic that's dear to his heart and something that he uses a lot as he works uh, with people in his position as the Director of Spiritual Care at Karen. He's going to share with us how the traditional stories of the hero's journey can serve as a guide to the recovery process. And these stories uh, alert us to obstacles. They inspire us to notice how help is available along the way, and they remind us that there is power if we stay on the path. So, Jack, welcome to the Spirit of Recovery. And I so appreciate the opportunity to be with you and your listeners. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, If you would start out, tell us a little bit about what a spiritual care director does that may be uh, maybe a concept that people aren't that familiar with as uh, in that position at a treatment center what do you do and who do you come in contact with I'm sure I'll be happy to share a little bit about that and I um, uh, of course what I get to do today is uh, my passion and I love it and I think that at Karen treatment centers our commitment to the spiritual care professional as part of a team to help people recover from addiction is um, if not unique, at least something that we uh, do, I think, pretty well and, and we're very dedicated to. So I actually have a team in the site where I work in Pennsylvania of five full-time chaplains in addition to myself. And we also have a Roman Catholic priest who's been with the organization for a long time. So there's actually seven of us in full-time professional ministry for a site that has about 250 patient beds for residential addiction treatment. And we work as integrated members of the treatment team. So we work alongside the psychologist and the addiction counselor and the medical professional and the nutrition and recreation folks. And um, we're the persons who advocate for the transformation of the person that is a part of what the recovery journey is. I know your listeners are going to understand that many times better than our patients do when they begin. But we do individual work with patients. We do group work with patients. We also... Um, work with family members, and we do a lot of lecturing and sometimes some exciting sort of even experiential activities to help people um, progress through the 12 steps and particularly understand a power greater than themselves that can restore them to sanity and uh, ways to experience surrender and get out of self-reliance. And another big part of our work is helping people deal with their woundedness because a lot of folks who are coming into treatment for the primary problem of addiction turn out to be or become sort of addicted partly as a way of coping with their pain. So a um, whole kind of history of wounds that's sexual and economic and emotional and family-related that come to the surface. And um, so we provide a ministry of care to people. Our team is uh, interfaith also, so we're uh, diverse uh, backgrounds and training. And um, the way we work that together is uh, really simple. One is that the 12 steps provide a common platform and language for us, no matter what a patient's background is. And also, I think we've um, worked really hard to learn to be patient-centered, and I know the Unity folks will sort of appreciate that, too. Um, 
uh, we we meet a person where they are spiritually and help them grow along their spiritual path rather than trying to impose upon them. So we help Jewish patients be better Jewish patients and Muslim patients be better Muslim patients and, and so on. Uh, right. It's a little bit about what we do, and um, it's great stuff. I love doing it. I bet. Yeah, it sounds wonderful. And uh, it's it's great to know. I know that addiction treatment has is, is been one of the pioneers and really an, a real integration that you described of psychology and spirituality and not seeing those as, as mutually exclusive at all, but understanding that they work hand in hand. That's great. It's, so a, I, it's a pleasure to do it. I know that uh, the hero's journey is uh, a passion of yours, as you said, and it's a... Uh, a frame that you use a lot to support patients. So how did you get interested in the hero's journey? Well, so part of that's a personal thing. Way, way back many years ago when I was a young man, my father was reading the works of a guy named Joseph Campbell. And some of your listeners may know Joseph Campbell's work, but he was uh, a great mythologist, a student of myth. And my father was so excited with reading. He was a businessman, but he was getting ready to retire, and he was really excited with what he was reading. And so um, as a curious young freshman in college, I picked up um, the first work that I read was Masks of God, part of it. So it's kind of an encyclopedia of myth. And um, I've kind of kept pace with the work of Joseph Campbell through much of my adult life and was uh, an avid reader of his works. And um, he was a comparative mythologist. He read the mythologies, including the sacred writings of many different traditions, and tried to draw parallels between them. And one of his great works was a book called The Hero with a Thousand Faces. And uh, so that was in my background. And then five years ago, when I left uh, local church ministry and came to the addiction treatment setting, I was struck uh, in a lot of ways by parallels between that experience. Uh, seeing, as you mentioned in your introduction, um, how heroic really the work of recovery is in just a kind of a common language sense, um, but also um, what, what, what I wanted to be able to do was to help people who arrive on the threshold of a new beginning in treatment, family members and patients who are just dejected, um, figure out how to turn their... Uh, exhaustion and defeat and demoralization into a positive mode of thinking and not just think of this as punishment or, um, you know, some horrible sort of stopping point on a bad trajectory in their life, but instead uh, something that they could think of and be proud of and see with nobility and as uh, something really um, magnificent. And so um, the... The hero's journey work of Joseph Campbell lends itself so well to that. It is just the um, kind of right medicine for our folks when they come in and they're so defeated. And we um, expose them to this story through lectures and some of our individual work, and many of our team use the idea. And um, it helps people turn from uh, feeling kind of punished and set back to all of a sudden becoming excited, especially when it takes hold. And, and uh, I can explain more about that, but that's kind of it. It, it, was a, it was a way to try and help people who felt beaten down um, reinterpret their path of coming into treatment in a more positive light. Right. That makes a lot of sense um, for sure because certainly the messages about addiction are you really goofed up this time kind of and um, to put it mildly. And so that that makes a lot of sense that uh, that reframing it in this way would be a big uh, make a big shift for people and really really get them in a different uh, way of seeing it. What do you do when people come in and you start to introduce them to this idea? What how do you do it? So uh, you know one of the easy ways to sort of share it with your listening audience would be to think about um, maybe a couple of the points that come across in uh, the lecture that I do on uh, Heroic Journey, folks. It's um, We also bring it up in a more personal way with individuals in the one-on-one -on -one setting, but um, uh, if you just call to mind as a listener the favorite myths and stories of either the contemporary day or of your childhood or of antiquity. And um, so I'll, I'll give us like three examples. I just went to see uh, one of these new, uh, there are movies coming out right now, Iron Man and Superman and the 
um, Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit series. That these are kind of contemporary mythological stories that fit in the genre. And probably our listeners have a favorite one, Indiana Jones, you know, that kind of Star Wars, those epic films. But also in childhood, I think many of us learned about Dorothy and Toto and her quest to get home and the travelers on her journey. And I often use that as an example because it seems to have a lot of people who know those figures from their childhood. Um, But also uh, the listening audience might know, um, you know, the stories of Judaism and Christianity and Islam and uh, of Buddhism and maybe even, I don't know much about the history of the unity tradition, but... Um, uh, each of these often are um, stories of people who, um, it turns out if you, if you follow the work of this guy Campbell, he notices things that are relevant that run through each of those stories. And the thing that we suggest is that as the people reflect on their stories, that they think about their own story in a similar kind of way. And so, uh, to put it really quickly, and I don't want to lecture for 30 minutes without giving you a space to ask more questions to refine, but is that, you know, Recovery from addiction, which seems like such a plight, instead can be a quest. And that quest is a noble quest because it's not a quest for money and power like maybe uh, some of the movies that we see today, but a quest for healing of relationship. And um, then uh, the things that we see in the genre of literature like the hero going through trials and um, finding people who led them along their way and facing the darkest shadow experiences. Um, a, a typical moment like when Luke Skywalker discovers that Darth Vader is his father, um, you know, is maybe archetypal and uh, may not fit for every listener, and uh, but is but that kind of meaningful confrontation of the deepest truths of ourselves are all part of that hero trying to achieve their quest. And um, then it's a matter of helping each patient take a look carefully at what they are striving for, what the obstacles will be along the way, what if there are some deep truths that they will have to face are the ones that are going to be worst for them. And um, in a very positive way, then what kind of helps are they going to have? Who will be the travelers with them on the journey? And what other tools can they put in their backpack or um, sheath or uh, on their heads to carry with them to um, undertake the quest and achieve uh, benchmarks and places along the way where they realize greater and greater accomplishment? And, um, you know, it really does. It kind of shifts the the feeling of the project out of repair and towards objective, which I think is meaningful for a lot of folks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, one thing as you're talking, it brings to mind is that addiction really calls people out of that focus on just on outer achievement and calls them into a whole different understanding of what success is that calls them into that inner life. Uh, so do you find this hero's journey uh, begins to call people into that, and I'm going to actually save that one. That's a good question, but we're, it's time for our break. So keep that question in mind, and uh, listeners, stay with us, and uh, we'll be right back and continue talking about recovery as a hero's journey. And my guest is Reverend Jack Abel, who's the Director of Spiritual Care at the Karen Foundation, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. This programming is made possible through the generous love offerings of listeners like you. If you feel spiritually fed by this programming, we invite you to contribute. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Hi, this is Ellen Devonport. The Five Principles was my first book, and here's what I've learned as an author. It's nice to sell a lot of books, but it's truly gratifying to know the book is being read, used, and studied in churches and small groups in the U.S. and beyond. And I get a real kick out of hearing that someone gave The Five Principles to friends who aren't in unity. 
Because the five principles are universal spiritual laws. They operate in everyone's life, whether they know it or not. They've been discovered and rediscovered by spiritual masters for thousands of years. God is all there is. We are expressions of God. We create our experience with the power of our thoughts. We align ourselves with the well-being of the universe through prayer and meditation. And we live the truth we know every day in every decision. Just five principles. They cover it all. Buy the book at unity.org. Are you tired of life slamming the door in your face? Did you get another rejection letter, pink slip, foreclosure notice, or go on yet another bad date? Does it seem like the older you get, the more hopeless life seems? Are you ready to stop taking no as your final answer? Then join us for Design Your Life, a talk show by Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach. Go into the locker room for one full hour with the championship coach every week and start designing your winning playbook that will make the rest of your life the best of your life. That's Design Your Life with Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. For listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. I'm very glad that you're listening with us today. And if you're just joining us, our topic is recovery, a hero's journey. And we are talking about how it is that recovery is so much like that traditional hero's journey that we may have uh, seen in the many childhood stories or the mythologies of different cultures or even today we see it in uh, lots of different movies. My guest is Reverend Jack Abel. He uh, is the Director of Spiritual Care at the Caron Foundation, which uh, has been around for many years doing excellent treatment for substance addiction and for those deeper issues of adult children recovery and so forth. And he, is, uh, he has a Master's of Divinity. He has a Master's of Business Administration. He was ordained as an interfaith minister uh, by the Interfaith Temple of the New Seminary in New York, and he um, is also endorsed for substance abuse ministry by the United Methodist General Board of Higher Education and Ministry. And so he is sharing with us his passion for this story, uh, the recovery journey and how that works and how that it is a hero's journey. Before I get back to my conversation with Reverend Jack Abel, I invite you to join me for a moment of peace for the Serenity Minute, a moment simply to relax to share with me a constructive idea, to take a breath and allow your mind to open up and make that conscious contact with your higher power as you understand it. So I do invite you to take a breath, to relax, to feel that peaceful presence of your higher power within your body temple, within your mind, and share with me this constructive idea. Centered in my higher power, I find great courage within me. I find friends along the way and the energy to live my life. Centered in my higher power, I find great courage within me, friends along the way, and the energy to live my life. And now we take a moment in the quiet. Thank you, friends, for joining me in the Serenity Minute. 
And I trust that that was an opportunity for you to make that conscious contact and feel the presence of your higher power. And so now we're back to my conversation with Reverend Jack Abel. So, Jack, before the break, we were uh, talking a little bit about how addiction shifts us from an outer focus only in life and that just those outer goals and benchmarks of success into uh, looking at life differently into the inner aspirations. So when you get, when people come into treatment there uh, at the Karen Foundation and you're working with them, you and your staff um, as the spiritual uh, direction team there, you help people reframe some things in terms of their inner aspirations and their inner life. What are some of the struggles that people face when they come into treatment? You know, and it's uh, a common problem within the work that we do to turn uh, our light on the priorities that people have as they come into treatment and help them uh, be illuminated for what they are. And uh, some of this is not just people who suffer from the disease of addiction or family members who are affected by it. Some of it, I think, is the modern world in which we live. I think we're often persuaded by the circumstances that we're in and the organizations that we work for and the media uh, pressures that we're under to think of the most important objectives for us as uh, money, status, um, sex, power. And um, and those things can become reinforced as we start getting success or money or relationships um, and we get the positive feelings that come initially from, uh, you know, hitting the benchmarks in our company or raising the uh, amount of income that we're earning. And they, they really can become addictive and they can become our, our understanding of who we are and what it means to be um, worthwhile. And... Uh, unfortunately, um, there is uh, often uh, farther down the scale uh, compromises that come and people who find themselves uh, making decisions about spending less time with their children, um, not taking time to accept invitations from friends to go out on social gatherings, um, not uh, taking walks, taking time for prayer, taking time for meditation, not participating in communities of faith, all at the expense of the of the pursuits of these economic and uh, gratifying instant gratification kind of things of which drugs and alcohol can be a part and the the loss of focus on the inner life that you called it and the and the search for satisfaction meaning and fulfillment in external things and um a, a huge emptiness um, is often discovered by people who um, whose lives ultimately shatter um, when they try to support that um, search outside of themselves for meaning. Um, particularly, uh, I don't mean in terms of like help and love and community, but in accomplishing uh, you know acquisition of wealth and power um, and. Uh, so this is one of the neat nuances of the quest is that uh, one could say, in essence, everyone is on a journey. It's just what you're searching for. And the shift of focus that recovery empowers people to make to a quest that is one for meaning, purpose, connection, and wholeness as an alternative to the quest for success, power, wealth, influence is um, is remarkable. And one of the odd gems in the struggle of the folks that we work with is that often they are able to awaken to the inner life, which previously they might have thought is not worthwhile because they've experienced the, the emptiness of it, the, the pain of it, and the, the ultimate inability to sort of, there's always more and you always want. Uh, ultimately, satisfaction can't come from that external path. Right. Yeah, that's powerful. I uh, lately have just been reading some things about the early Christian mystics and I was thinking about St. Ignatius of Loyola. He kind of really his story in a way that he, he had his outer success and then wasn't working for him. So he found a different path. What happens when you 
begin to work with people that are in treatment, work with them about this idea? Are they incredulous? Or I know probably a lot of different reactions, but... Well, I think what we are finding is that, uh, which of course makes perfect sense, that uh, all of this takes time. Like it takes time and uh, that people have uh, moments of awareness and epiphany and a thing like an exciting lecture or uh, an individual session where um, the struggles that a person are having are reframed don't create an instant transformation, but instead um, that uh, people begin to uh, buy into the ideas of spiritual life and of love and meaningful relationships, and that um, that uh, acquisition of intimacy and meaning and purpose uh, must be found gradually. Um, and it's uh, that's one of the reasons why, not to be too uh, marketing-oriented, but why we find that treatment is a really helpful experience for many people is that in an environment with a high degree of safety, people can practice and risk and um, find support and fellowship from other people who are also um, taking time out from the work world and the busy life and um, that uh, it it's uh it's the acquisition of a whole new set of attitudes and habits and that um it, it's not automatic and maybe that's helpful and maybe i haven't answered your question but i'll i'll leave that and you can you can help me refine that sure no that's great i um you know what that brings to mind for me is that in the stories a lot of times in this gradual process because they are the you know the the myths, the fairy tales, the adventure tales uh, that you mentioned earlier today in the program, always it's interesting what's happening to that hero as they're on the journey because it isn't ever just instant. And they have a lot of disappointments and they have things that they think, well, this is going to work or whatever. And then, you know, poof, that didn't work or some monster pops up or whatever. So when you use these uh, hero's journey uh, story, that metaphor with people, how do you help them notice how to get around the obstacles or what kind of help is available to them? Because it is a gradual process. Yeah, I was trying to think about um, specific examples. And maybe the other place for me to get specific is to think about my own story. And I will tell you, uh, in 24 years, in my case, of being familiar with the 12 steps and the ideas of recovery, um, you know, uh, while I'm able to mark that kind of time in some ways as always having been different from the day I began the journey, on the other hand, I've had ups and downs and forward movement and setbacks and refinements and clarifications that, um, sadly, (laughs) I think it's often pain that is the touchstone for for each level of growth. So, uh, you know, you you saw it. It's almost like we wouldn't want to go to the movie or read the book if uh, the hero doesn't face challenges. Mm -hmm. But it's hard to acquire the skill of interpreting our challenges in a heroic way. Um, I wanted to correct just a little bit of biographical information you were mentioning as we entered the second segment about my background. I did work um, for many years in the United Methodist system, and at that time I was endorsed um, for chaplaincy in that system. But like that was an example. When I was working in local church work, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that got uh, kind of under my skin was uh, uh, working too much. And um, I uh, find myself today in an interfaith ministry out of a path of sort of struggle and rediscovery and um, an enlargement of my ministry that uh, came and it came out of it came out of pain and crisis. You know, it came out of a major attack of the shingles one morning after an Easter um, uh, leading a community uh, and realizing that I had gotten kind of off the path. So it's um, pointing people to the places of pain and crisis and in fact even having the courage to lead them into their pain and crisis, but giving them the language of the heroic journey to help them reinterpret that not as failure, but as 
lesson and as progress and as teaching moment and as um, opportunities to even face our, you know, demons. And, uh, you know, a lot of that's one of the things that's so uh, beguiling about life and about recovery is that often we do things over and over again in a kind of parallel or pattern. And um, helping people recognize those patterns. It's one of the things Karen has been uh, noted for. You mentioned it is uh, working with people even down the road of recovery through our breakthrough program, helping people come back and realize that uh, their recovery needs a, a new um, frontier to be opened up for them, uh, which may be around work or relationships or intimacy or uh, healing from trauma, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you mentioned in, in your own story, as you said, you you had that experience of very painful, I'm sure, of shingles uh, that got you uh, thinking about um, overworking. I'm off my sense of my spirituality here. What was the help that you found? What kind of help does the hero find along the way? What, what do you find in the stories or what do you find in people's lives? What helps them shift from just so disaster? That's a great question. And it's a, it's a question that's both personal and I think useful in the more general sense. So one of the things when I tell my story I tell people that it wasn't until that point, which I was, uh, you know, many, many years into the journey of trying to work the 12 steps, but that I really learned coming out of that crisis to use a sponsor. And um, to, I used to say, uh, I've I've checked my decision-making brain at the door. And uh, I I started um, on a much more authentic level, not making major decisions in my life without running them by the people who were of most meaning to me. And so in the hero's quest, that person may in other traditions be a you know wizard or a teacher for Harry Potter um, or a uh, witch for um, Dorothy and her companions, the good witch who's, who's giving that advice. But seeking direction is one of the great pieces of those tales that is timeless ancient wisdom being passed on to us that we ignore at our peril. Um, And another one that, again, I came out of that experience in my life learning and which we use here to help people do one of the reasons why we are so uh, insistent uh, um, in any case when we're able to do is to involve family, partners, um, people who are close in the treatment journey is community authentic and supportive community and and uh you know honest truth telling all all of those are elements which if you look in the uh journeys of the great mythic stories uh the hero um usually and those heroic stories are not singular and solitary quests they're quests where other people band together and have similar or parallel objectives um so I can like be really specific just for a minute. Like if you think about the Dorothy story, it's a great story, the Wizard of Oz. And you have the Tin Man, the Scarecrow, and the Cowardly Lion who have their objectives, which are heart, courage, and a brain, as well as Dorothy, whose objective is to go home. And yet their objectives work together. And uh, that's a profound lesson that um, that really informs people's struggles and people who struggle often think they have to fight their fight alone or that they can't band together with other people because other people don't have the same problems that they have. But here in that story are people who have four different problems and yet they have a common path which they share on. And when they get near to the end of that story and the wizard finally grants their wish because she's gone back and uh, captured the broom from the wicked witch and Who's, who her, her biggest obstacle melts away, uh, the wizard says to them something so interesting. I will give you what you ask for, but you had it with you all the time. She had the shoes, and the lion had the courage, and the uh, you know, heart and brain were there before. We just had to recognize them within us. I love the teachings of those stories, and I think that um, uh, using the story helps us begin to reinterpret our life as meaningful and believe that the things that are along our path and the people that are coming to us and the tragedies or struggles that we face have usefulness and purpose. They're not uh, 
we, we maybe should be cautious about thinking of them all as bad news. Thank you, Jack. It's time for our break. Perfect. You're sharing great stuff with us. Our topic is Recovery, a Hero's Journey. My guest is Reverend Jack Abel. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Hello, listeners. Did you know we've gone mobile? That's right. Your favorite Unity online radio programs are available on your mobile device. Now you can take us with you wherever you go. Using apps from Live 365 or Stitcher, you can listen to Unity Online Radio live or on demand. To learn more, visit Unity Online Radio and click on Mobile Listening. Are you ready for deeper spiritual breakthroughs? Have you wondered how to apply spiritual principles to your everyday life in practical ways? Do you feel your soul is calling you to deeper purposes? Join Rev. Galen McDowell live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central for Truth Transforms, a discussion on how God within you, as you, is the power to transform your life. If you really believe that consciousness determines your experiences and that you are an individualized expression of God, Join us as we help awaken and transform the consciousness of humanity. We will discuss, through lecture, live interviews and call-in questions, spiritual healing, prayer, prosperity, forgiveness, new thought views about eternal life, and much more. The world is waiting for your truth transformation, only on Unity Online Radio. Listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with your host, Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD. And now, here's Anna. Welcome back to the Spirit of Recovery. I'm very glad that you're joining us today, very glad that you're listening. And if you are just joining us, our topic today is recovery as a hero's journey. And we are uh, talking about how those classic uh, mythological stories uh, and even what we see in the movies today a lot of times can inform us and help us on that recovery journey. My guest is Reverend Jack Abel. He is the Director of Spiritual Care at Karen Foundation, and that is C-A-R-O-N. And you can uh, look up their nonprofit uh, treatment center that have been uh, around for a very long time doing excellent work. And you can look them up at karen.org, and that's C-A-R-O-N.org to see more about what they do. And um, so... Reverend Jack Abel is, again, he's got an MDF, he's got an MBA, and he's been the Director of Spiritual Care there at Karen since January of 2008. And he does, he is an ordained interfaith minister, and he conducts an incredible ministry there um, with his ministry team to the people that come to Karen for treatment and the family members. So, uh, Jack, before the break, we were talking about how important it is to see those different uh, to work as a group, to work in community. And uh, one thing that got me thinking as you were talking is how you do have patients there from different faith traditions, different wisdom traditions, and uh, that could lead people to think, well, I'm so different from you, you know, I come from this different faith or a different culture. But uh, how do you use the hero's journey story to uh, not wipe out, of course, people's faith traditions, but maybe transcend them a little bit while people are in treatment and help them see some commonality. Do you do that? We certainly do. And uh, I think it's one of the things that excites me most about my work is that over the course of the week, I may have uh, an Orthodox Jew, a Catholic, a Buddhist, an agnostic, an atheist, and a Native American person. And somehow I need to be able to help them not only work uh, in partnership with me to help them negotiate a path towards recovery in their life, but to find a community with each other. And so um, there, there are unifying frameworks, and I think we have that in the 12 steps and the hero's journey. Um, clearly, those are, those are ways in which everyone can feel like they can have common language and common meaning and identification. And then there's the particulars of people's traditions and backgrounds. And 
Um, so uh, one of the things that we do try to do is be knowledgeable about um, how the different spiritual traditions that are out there um, have also participated in contributing to this great genre of heroic story and of the kind of things that are embodied in the 12 steps, spiritual principles and practices. And um, so it turns out that most people are uh, raised in uh, some sort of background, uh, even if it's one of agnosticism and intellectual ideals, like the mind is the height of uh, and reason. And, um, but, uh, and then many of us have common principles like honesty and decency and truth, and that many of us have uh, hope for meaningful relationships. And so uh, we, we, we try to bo- do both of the things I was saying. We try to give people an overarching sense of commonality and purpose through the hero's journey and the 12 steps, that the 12 steps are kind of a ladder that they can progress through over and over and over again that will take them into greater love, meaning, and purpose and connection in their lives. And the 12-step communities will be there to bind them together kind of no matter what their background is. And that this is one of the paradoxical gifts of their suffering is that out of their struggle, they have, they're going to find this common platform, but also that they're free if they're Jewish to think about Seder and Passover and the deliverance and God's relationship with Jacob and Abraham and Sarah and Rachel as stories that they can look to to identify with in their heroic tale, whereas a young person, 15 years old, whose big thing is, uh, you know, some television show like Doctor Who, can look at those characters and find in the redemption stories of those characters the same sort of meaning and quest or purpose or the Christian person can look to the stories of Jesus and his followers and um, Paul and the ministry of outreach and um, that uh, that even you, I, I love the word you use wisdom traditions that that even if it's just in listening to our grandparents and the stories of our childhood um, that somewhere we have a pool of this kind of data um, that will fit us. Each person has a way of finding the meaning carriers that they will need to bring them into uh, the fulfillment and wholeness, and that they're they're permitted to do that, to to personalize their journey and find their quest along a path that is suitable to them. Uh, Maybe that's helpful. That's wonderful. Yeah, that's so uh, freeing, and it's it's wonderful. It's like it opens up. Uh, as you said, so much space for people inside themselves and also to make maybe bridge across differences with other people that perhaps they wouldn't have uh, before and really enriches community. I know that y'all have a celebration uh, as the culmination of a person's time in treatment, and that's part of the hero's journey as well, um, when that journey is completed or when there's an important uh, juncture, that there is a celebration. Tell us about that and how you frame that and what that's like. I think I mentioned in our opening segment that one of the people I get to work with is a wonderful uh, Roman Catholic priest. He is in his uh, early 80s right now. His name is Father Bill, and he's a much-loved character. And when I came to work at Karen, I had heard uh, by reputation of the Karen Chapel Service and that it was run by a Roman Catholic priest. And I had my ideas about the the Mass and what that would look like. and uh, now here as a part of it, um, our chapel service is a part of my weekly life. And um, what I see, I think one of the great ways to interpret our chapel experience and, and, and have it have meaning and make sense is when you think of it through the lens of the heroic journey. Our service includes elements from Christian tradition and uh, there are prayers and readings that are part of that. But also we invite our family members and patients and our alumni who come also to this gathering. It's often uh, more than 250 people who come on Sunday, and uh, standing room only in a packed auditorium. And um, our patients provide the music uh, and uh, the testimony. And 
um, what one realizes is that the quest of this project brings all of us together into that room and that it brings family. So, for example, this past Sunday, um, we had a couple of people who were returning to celebrate anniversaries of sobriety after having been in treatment. One woman who was celebrating seven years that I know very well. And um, she came and her husband was there and one of her two children was there with her. And there were people in the room who she was able to cite who she had been also instrumental in helping along. And so it was um, certainly a Sunday service. It was certainly um, a... uh, in the end, um, a kind of uh, religious celebration, but it was also a celebration of her progress on a heroic journey and the work of her family to reconnect and reunite with one another. And her husband, who spoke at the event, spoke eloquently about how his wife's transformation had uh, been the spark that ignited his own. And uh, so, these opportunities, and I think Karen may be a little bit unique as a treatment center in having such a vibrant and effective Sunday gathering that turns treatment up for people to see, but but also many people who are not, like if you have a listener who's like thinking about dabbling in recovery or may not realize that that people experience this kind of celebration in a somewhat quieter way every day and every week and every month and every year in recovery communities around the world people who are struggling with food, gambling, uh, various substance and relationship um, addictive patterns, and who come to the 12-step programs and um, uh, along the way, the thing that seemed the biggest, which is putting down the addictive behavior, almost um, moves somewhat into the background because what becomes the foreground is a journey of connection and meaning and community and life. It's, it's, uh, that's why I get so excited. That's why I was glad to come on the radio station. And that's why I think we have things like Spirit of the Recovery radio communities is that um, this is uh, life-giving and meaning-making and helps put connections together for people. Right. Yeah, it does. It, you express that so beautifully. And, you know, you talked about the, the woman's family. Uh, how do families relate to this idea of the hero's journey? And I, I know we don't have a whole lot of time left in our program, but I am curious. Uh, sometimes, as family members, uh, people can feel defeated, but sometimes uh, they don't always quite get it. They're still thinking, "Oh, I don't know. I can give it one more try here," and, and they don't always see sometimes that they need to go on the journey as well. Do they relate to this idea of the hero's journey? I, I have actually done variations of this talk specifically for family members, and often uh, one of the ways to look at this that's a little bit humorous but also is gentle and meaningful is to think about how many of these hero stories involve, you know, odd collections, um, the Lord of the Rings with, you know, elves and dwarves and hobbits and 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 people who 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 play these different roles in our families. And we we have in the family member of a person who is, um, seeking recovery from some primary dependence. We have people who are, you know, outgoing and people who are withdrawn and people who are angry and people who are sad and people who are uh, indifferent and all those postures and places. And yet each one of them is inhabiting that posture in a way as a coping style in relation to the other behaviors that are around them. And so everybody's involved in the journey. And when the one person moves into a position of recovery, it affects everyone in that circle. And so whether or not they choose to undertake it, oddly enough, it's like the quest of one uh, initiates uh, work on the parts of the others. And each person can be reluctant about it, can respond to it in their own way. But, um, but there's no reason why they too cannot become excited about the opportunity that recovery brings to a family and to each family member to uh, to improve meaning, purpose, and connection in their lives. Right. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, it's like, as you say, when one, one gets on the train, the rest of them kind of get on there whether they meant to or not, one way or the other, and they're going to respond. It affects everybody, exactly. It sure does. So, uh, 
what would be your final words of wisdom uh, for us today here, Jack? What would you recommend for us as heroes on our own journeys in lots of different ways? So a couple things. One is uh, be not discouraged, you know, and another is be aware of the difficulty. And the third is get help. Make sure that you are open to the help. Uh, and, and all of those are pieces of wisdom that come from the great sacred traditions and the mythological stories that uh, capture our attention every day of our lives. Great. Thank you so much uh, for being my guest today. I appreciate it. Um, and thank you for sharing all of your experience, uh, your personal experience, and all I know the rich depth of experience that you have in working with people in recovery there. Again, our topic today is Recovery A Hero's Journey. My guest has been Reverend Jack Abel, who's the Director of Spiritual Care at Karen Foundation and who is indeed a champion of the Hero's Journey and really uh, doing a wonderful job of supporting that and supporting people's recovery. Thanks for being with us, and thank you all for listening with us today. Have a wonderful week, and we'll be back next week with the Spirit of Recovery. Take care, Anna. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. Committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Stop feeding your problems by calling them problems. Whether you have issues with weight, finances, relationships, or any other area of your life, your perception that you have a problem is the most significant roadblock to transforming your life. Join renowned author and transformational coach Freeman Michaels live every Monday at 4 p.m. Central for his remarkable new show, It's Not a Problem, It's a Pattern, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. We invite you to focus your attention inward with these words from Elizabeth Searle Lamb. This is a new day. Lead your conscious mind to that still haven of your soul where your indwelling Christ opens wide the doorway of your heart. At once, mind, soul, and body, you are flooded with the light and love of God. You are lifted high above this earthly plane and filled with the radiance of spirit. Send this love and light on to those whom you hold dear so that it may uplift, heal, and comfort them. As you send this radiance on, you are filled with a new sense of God's power, and you release this power to the whole world to uplift, guide, and bless all people. A day's tasks await you, but God is with you, and with God's help, all shall be done perfectly. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. notice how the funniest things happen when we stop taking ourselves too seriously and step out boldly? Listen to Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed as these unlikely saints administer a refreshing dose of laughter and love that will inspire you to step out boldly and experience the funniest things. Join the discussion with Daryl and Ed live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central Time on Funniest Thing, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Stop feeding your problems by calling them problems. Whether you have issues with weight, finances, relationships, or any other area of your life, your perception that you have a problem 
is the most significant roadblock to transforming your life. Join renowned author and transformational coach Freeman Michaels live every Monday at 4 p.m. Central for his remarkable new show, It's Not a Problem, It's a Pattern, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I'm an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network, subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. <laughs> 